0: Welcome to the I Just Market Fertilizer podcast, where expert analysts at Ferticon
1: sit down to discuss what's new in global fertilizers. The following episode of Urea Never Sleeps was recorded on September 21st, 2020. Welcome to Urea Never Sleeps. I'm Kigini Gakuganeswaran. I write the weekly urea report at Vatican. I'm here with Alfie Middlebeek, Senior Urea Analyst. How are you, Alfie? Yes, I'm very well. I'm uh, just, you know, enjoying the
0: last bits of the warm weather here. But, uh, I mean, as you know, I'm in Newcastle, so it's, uh, it's already awesome, pretty much. It's, all, it's kind of, um, I was joking the other day when I was on the phone with someone saying that pretty much if you're wearing a turtleneck, then you're pretty much good to go for the whole year in terms of what you're wearing in Newcastle
1: <laughs> you know I'm a big fan of because I have like I <laughs> seven one I can wear for each day of the week but so Tartanex don't really go out of fashion or I think so anyway
0: yeah I agree I agree I agree you know what else doesn't go out of fashion urea
1: Though <laughs> <laughs> so it does seem a little bit more like you know it's and down recently yeah exactly
0: I mean it seems like a You have a bit more time to breathe after all those India tenders, I thought, you know. Every time I open my phone, it says, oh, another India tender
1: announced. I thought it's keeping keeping cooks busy at least. Yeah, I think it definitely kept me busy, you know, just writing up all those CFR numbers and just like, you know, the anticipation of how much is India going to buy. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that they haven't come out with another tender as soon as people have expected them to has created this sort of imbalance in the market you know yeah so definitely. back-to-back tenders and then it's just it just shows how much india has been driving the market definitely i mean like you say after they had
0: so many tenders um back to back i mean what what kind of of trends are you seeing this week i mean like you say uh obviously india i mean i was looking at the balance and as you know, sort of October sales are usually a bit lower and November. So uh, we were kind of expecting that they would be covered for a bit, especially as they bought 1.79, I think, right, in the last
1: tender? Yeah, close to 1.8, around so there.
0: Mm, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that, I mean, is, I would think that the market is, is sort of seems to be... Um, Sliding down a bit on the back of
1: uh, the lack of India support, then? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, definitely. But also, I think suppliers are quite, um, I don't know, very keen to maintain their price levels. So each week Mm -hmm. you see the market drop a little by little um, because a lot of the producers are sold out for September. Obviously, there are some positions in the hands of traders. But I think it's more a case that they, it's The suppliers expect that the market won't, you know, come crashing down. I also don't think it's going to come crashing down, but there's definitely some sort of softness because of the quietness. Mm -hmm. Buyers in Latin America are, you know, a bit more cautious. They don't want to, you know, they're playing that game where they don't want to, like, step in for tons if they know they can get lower. If the next Indian L1s are going to be lower, then in turn, the rest of the market will also see some corrections, right? yeah 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 and i guess
0: i mean it's it's also uh it used to be very much the case that in so july august we would see uh downward corrections because of um just seasonally but obviously uh you know this year that wasn't the case and also that kind of hasn't been uh so much of a trend uh over the last few years just because also more plants have Plan turnarounds in the in the sort of quieter times, um, but this time of the year n- normally isn't a time when you would see it really uh, crash down. So um, even though it is coming down, it's mostly because it was so high on the back of India really just scrambling together uh, to get those tons there in time. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, what what do you think was different about this year? Um, and India not being able to buy as much as they usually could so in terms of india i mean what's
0: interesting is that for for ages well for for a while actually we'd seen that l the l1s really since i would think november 2018 when we started seeing these stronger u.s sanctions on iranian terms that where india was the highest paying market and then this year really we we saw kind of a, an end to that trend and then it led up to uh, the point where i think it was the 17th july tender right where we um, obviously saw uh, those offering uh just deciding not to accept these l ones because they were too low so that really uh uh, combined with very strong uh, a very strong domestic uh sales season in india really like left them in this crunch and then at the same time we also saw uh, brazil buying quite well early for safrinha right so i think that's really why uh we sort of had this perfect storm and also there weren't as much Chinese exports weren't that high in sort of uh, June, June, July times, right? So so because of that, obviously we had this perfect storm and that's why we um, saw prices moving up. And in, in terms of, of India, I mean, Karif sewing is, is is up a lot and and it was looking very strong I mean I was looking at uh, the area sown up to the 11th of September and it was up 103 percent year-on-year which is like uh, 110.4 million hectares compared with uh, 104.5 million hectares last year Um, we're really at the last leg of the monsoon rainfall I mean levels are still strong in general Uh, June to September, we saw um, rainfall being um, up over 7% on a long-term average, and and there was also been a good distribution between the states in terms of where the rainfall was coming down. So, this really led to domestic sales um, being up a lot. I think April uh, to July 2020 was up 48% to 11.5 million tons. Um, so domestic sales in India um, have been up a lot. I think we just had August numbers out, right? Um, April to July um, were already up 48%. Um, and I think it was 11.5 million tons from 7.8 million tons. And then August uh, was a bit, little bit lower um, at 4 million tons. So that's a little bit below last year, but it's still up uh, 25%. So that's been really strong. Um, And also on the back of that, we've obviously seen imports up. uh, And I think they're 8% up to 2.2 million tons for April to August. Um, Obviously, that also, again, doesn't include these big tenders that we've seen recently, right? So um, what were, you know, especially the last two, I think it was 1.79, like you said. And then before that was 952,000, right, that they bought? Yeah so both quite very strong volumes that they've managed to buy definitely definitely so what we're expecting in terms of uh calendar year 2020 imports is is around nine to nine point five million tons um which is roughly the same as as 2019 um so so like i said i mean october november we would normally see a sales slow down and then really a pickup again in, in December in terms of seasonality. So if you're looking at um, what they've bought so far, I was looking at the balance and they should be, by the end of October, they should be at only 0.2 million tonnes. So I would expect them to come back, obviously, but in terms of October, normally sales, I think sales last year were like 1.9 million tons. So that's covered by domestic um, uh, production anyway. And then November is a bit higher, but still uh, not as high as, as, you know, August or, or December usually. So... Um, They definitely need to come back, but they also have some time. So I I would expect that we could see uh, the market taking down a bit more, especially if China continues to export um, as much as they've recently committed, right?
1: So obviously one of the differences between this year and previous years is that even without the tenders, India were receiving Amifco tons. So they saw those imports come into their country but now they won't really see those tons unless they hold a tender.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so they will just have to buy those through a tender as well. So, so possibly this is also why we've seen seen imports up. Um, but like I say, that's also to do with domestic sales. So, uh, it seems. I guess it's just the the immediate translation of of the loss of that uh, agreement really has been that they. Um, they, they've been left in a bit more of a crunch uh, than they would have before, when they would already have had tons uh, that were coming anyway, and that they didn't need to sort of bid for and, and, and you know, uh, issue a tender for, right? I mean, what are you, what are you seeing uh, in terms of the the impact of Omifco?
1: So, uh, with those Omifco tons, so about the 1.7 million tons that would have gone to India has now been. Divided as offtakes to three traders. So Amaropa gets 1 million tons per year. Yara 400,000 tons per year. And Swiss Singapore 300 tons per year. Obviously these tons make sense to go to India. But also to Brazil as well. So I think it will be like quite interesting. Especially to see how traders having these direct offtakes. Will impact on the CFR levels. But also... The FOB levels so we've seen some FOB offers not just from you know your typical producers like PIC and Fatigo but also from traders as well in the India tenders.
0: Mm. Yeah definitely no I agree and and I think um, also like you say it'll be interesting to see um, especially if we're in a, in a, in, in a period of, of the year where we don't see India tender uh, you know how that is going to impact um, uh, uh, other demand markets and how that's going to impact FOB levels in the AG, right? Because it just means that there's more uh, available on a spot basis. Um, so I have to keep an eye on that.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, the last two India tenders um, have helped a lot of the AG producers, uh, you know, commit their tons so they're a bit more comfortable. But, you know, it's getting to October now and the shipment of the last um, uh, 26th August MMTC tender was up to 5th October. So, you know, October tons are there. Obviously there are commitments to contract shipments, but I think like in the next two weeks, if India doesn't make an appearance, there will be definitely even more downward corrections as you said
0: yeah yeah for sure and i think i mean the other thing that's really interesting in 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 india is obviously these these new projects i mean the government there has really started this um uh made in india campaign a few years back right where they've really decided that they they want to be more self-sufficient in terms of urea so um the first i mean there's several plants that are due to come on stream between now and 2024 Um, So the first one obviously is the the Ramagundam plant, um, which was obviously delayed um, from the initial startup, I think was March 2020, but you know, because of Covid, um, uh, this was delayed, but we're now hearing that that's expected to be inaugurated, not inaugurated, but expected to uh, be commissioned in November 2020. um, And that that adds another 1.27 million tons of, of domestic production, which of course isn't that much if you're thinking about uh, two million tons of production a month in India at the moment around roughly around that Um, but then um, if we're looking aside from that we have these uh, eight plants Um, there's three of them it's it's uh, uh, they're being revamped and restarted um, uh, so there is like i say there is more small self-sufficiency <laughs> for india and and so so that's really going to change the landscape there i mean the first one is Garagpur, um, uh which will have 1.27 million tons uh, with construction to be completed by the end of 2021 and, um this is also the case in terms of the construction uh, uh for Sindri which is also h URL plant uh, and also Barauni, which is also URL so this is three times 1.27 million tons of extra capacity that's that's due to come on stream um this this is dependent there's a a, a pipeline that's that's still being finished um but we um we have Gorakhpur um expected to to be commissioned uh in 2020 2022 and start producing and start, you know, showing up in those production numbers and the same for Sindri, we're expecting mid 2022 and then Barownie to uh, also sort of later on in 2022. And then because of this pipeline that's that should then also be running, um, we would expect Matix, which is a plant that came on stream in 2018 we expect that um, that they should also be running on that gas line. So that's another 1.27 uh, million tons. So this means an extra capacity of 6.35 million tons uh, per year by the end of 2022, right? If if all goes to plan, of course. Um, and and then again, there's 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 the Telcher project, which is we have in in the list for 2024, which is not at 1.27 million tons. So the question is, how is that going to impact the urea market, right? I mean, like you said before, it's been so driven by India buying recently. So if we don't have India or
1: <laughs> India has a so, sorry, uh, India yeah. has a lot of consumption. Do you think they would ever turn? to export themselves?
0: That's an interesting
1: question. I mean, it all depends on, on gas prices
0: and, and feedstock and how that compares. In general, it seems that they are on the high side uh, in that respect. So so it doesn't seem likely. And also a lot of the, the plants, they're, they're based in land. Uh, so they're very much there for the domestic market. So I don't see that as a, as a likely um, uh, possibility, but it's um, b- but I mean it's more the question, you know, where all these tons from China, uh, from the AG, etc. Where are they going to find a home if if we have uh, India producing a lot themselves? Um, so what are you what have you been hearing in, in Brazil? I mean, it seems like uh, Brazilian imports are up as well. Do you think um, some of the sofrinia demand was covered earlier, or do you think there's
1: still a lot to go? Or how do you see things over there? I mean, if we're looking at the fertiliser year, so from April 2020 to March 2021 uh, fertiliser year, so for between April and August, imports are around 2.3 million, and that's up almost 48% on the 1.56 million tonnes for the same period in 2019-2020. I do think uh, because of the whole COVID-19 situation earlier on in the year, there was sort of some i know early coverage for schizophrenia demand as well just to make sure that there was product on the ground but i also think demand in brazil generally um is increasing i think that's across all fertilizer products largely because the agricultural market in brazil grows and prices for the crops have been good as well Um, but regardless i do think there is still product to be covered um still for schizophrenia it's just more that they can wait because there is product on the ground and there is still a little bit of time left so i think they're choosing to wait till india free tenders again before you know stepping in to purchase for october november shipment that's
0: interesting, because on the other hand, I would think that now is a good time for them to step in before we see sort of the, the seasonality in India um, requiring them to come back with force, right, which, which obviously then you would expect them um, to increase. Um, prices. But um, but no, I mean, I think also, again, I mean, uh, I know we're just talking about India, but um, it's uh, like you were saying about COVID-19, I think that's definitely also played a role in India in terms of these domestic sales being up um, earlier on. I mean, even when they were in lockdown, we really saw an increase in, in, in domestic sales, um, which is maybe also why August was down a little bit. Uh, because at some point, something's got to give, right? The demand
1: mm-hmm.
0: seemingly hasn't increased or the apparent consumption hasn't increased as much uh, to, uh, as as sales have, right? So you would think that maybe people are buying a little bit earlier and then borrowing from um, sales that they would have concluded later, later down the line, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But... I don't think that entirely means that they still don't have enough tons left to cover, but maybe just less so. So there, I don't know. There's a, a lesser sense of urgency, I guess. Mm. So what are, what what's um, what are you hearing in in Brazil then this week in terms of prices? So prices this week. I mean, for the last uh, I'd say three four weeks, prices have been quite you know in a consistent range within like a five eight dollar bracket so slightly above the 270s but like you know each week you hear more and more someone you know selling uh, sub 270. So this week we had sales um, in the mid high 260 CFR um, not too much of a difference from uh, last week but it does show that each week sellers are having to you know reduce their prices in order to offload tons especially those um, who have vessels arriving in the next five days or that are already there
0: Mm, interesting does the lineup look um heavy or are most of the tons sold on board of the vessels that are coming in
1: i think it is quite a heavy lineup from russia ag um algeria of course um and even a vietnamese vessel and Mm. i think you know anyone who wasn't able to sell to india has just gone to latin america especially in the absence of the us and europe as well
0: yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense by the way what are you hearing on um on china recently i mean obviously we've seen them a bit more in india
1: yeah i mean if we uh look at the M.N.T.C. 26th august indian tender pretty much I don't know. Over one million of that 1.795 million tons were from China. There's still a few more vessels that are yet to be nominated, but a significant chunk of that volume was from China, which obviously shows that their keenness to export. The prices were good as well. If we look at the netbacks, um, but also in other markets. So there was two. Uh, there was a Bangladesh tender this week. So BCIC. Had two separate tenders for 150,000 tonnes each of granular urea and CNAMPGC, you know, offered the lowest. And I think, you know, they are at a stage where the domestic market, there is that second rice uh, crop season. You know, they are ready to export. And I think the next India tender, when it does come, we will see some participation. A lot of participation from china so it also begs the question if people are waiting for india to make this comeback but chinese tons become you know are more competitively priced than from elsewhere what will that mean for the rest of the market when india does come
0: Mm, definitely i mean last year um towards the end of the year i think q4 we saw uh china really ramp up uh, exports. Um, what we're expecting in terms of 2020 uh, Chinese exports uh, is around 4 million tons, uh, mm-hmm. which compares to 4.9 million tons last year. I mean, so far uh, January-July numbers are out, and and they suggest 1.9 million ton uh, tons have been have been done so far. Uh, but obviously, like you say, this doesn't include yet these. Um, you know these these India tenders recently, so we'd really expect that to ramp up uh, in in August, sept- especially September October, right? Um, so normally towards the end of the year we we ha- do have the domestic heating season in China, which usually tends to reduce the uh, capacity rates, um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Seems like we we are likely to see a similar trend to last year with a ramp up of, of exports in Q4, especially if if you know because prices are, are are higher than they were last year. So obviously this means that uh, we we usually see you know China as the as the marginal producer. We usually see more uh, products from them coming into the market when that's the case. Um, but obviously, therefore, if they come with more product, that would then be a negative impact on pricing, right? So uh, it will be a really interesting quarter, I think, to see um, how this plays out.
1: Yeah, I mean, in typical years, um, how does Q4 look for the urea market in terms of pricing and demand? So we see the return of Europe, obviously, in October, November as they stock up on products for their spring application we see um canada coming to buy as well before the river closes we see a lot of the latin american com- uh, countries as well buying products for november and december
0: yeah exactly and it usually uh, sort of runs pretty well i mean usually we often see sort of a, a peak of prices uh, in around sort of november time and then just before the end of the year we see sort of uh, slowing down uh, again as, as sort of, um uh, you know then it gets a bit late for for the brazilians uh to buy for for etc and so that's usually the way it goes but um it also of course depends very much on the us it also you know these weather patterns um being pretty erratic um have also really disrupted uh, the situation so uh, and again, I mean, a lot of times in, in Q4, we've seen a, a reduction of Chinese exports um, because of the domestic heating se- season, etc. But they are so much um, uh, depending on, on on where the prices are, right? If the price is high enough for them mm-hmm. to, to export, then we really see them turn it on and we see a lot of exports. Uh, and, and therefore, that that really... Uh, this dictates how um, how prices go and how the market is running.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess it's time for our uh, new segment, uh, the project of the month. So this week, this week, <laughs> this podcast we will be speaking about Lordigan in Iran. Can you tell us more about it Alfie?
0: Yes, yeah, so so Lord again, um,
1: it's um, it's interesting because
0: the Iranian government has really um, set itself quite an ambitious goal in terms of uh, the amount of uh, petrochemical uh, uh, plants that they want to, to build and they want to expand, and so there's there's a large number of of, of ammonia and urea projects and expansions, but. Some of these were sort of decided on uh, before uh, we saw these U.S. sanctions uh, rev- really being revved up uh, in November 2018. So it, it it doesn't look as good an investment as before. Obviously, I mean, as you well know, it's, it's more difficult. To sort of place Iranian tons these days, unless you have some sort of uh, barter agreement, let's say, as, in, as is in place in, in, in Brazil. So, um, so Lord it's uh, it's a urea plant with a capacity of uh, 1.073 million tons a year, um, and uh, the ammonia unit started running in June this year, and and really in in. I think it was only a week ago that we heard that the um, urea unit started running as well. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it obviously adds, uh, uh, it's a big line and we, it adds a lot of capacity in Iran. So let's see.
1: I mean, in terms of their location in Iran, so they're in the west, I think the closest port is Bandar Imam Khomeini, or is it a different one that they would look to export out of?
0: I actually don't think, because they're quite inland, right? Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Iran's got a huge uh, domestic uh, agricultural sector, um, especially sort of in the in further north, but also around the sort of area by Ladegan there's also, um, I believe there's also barley, uh, a lot of barley being grown. So I actually think that a, a lot of the production will be for the domestic markets. Um, but, of course, this will take up some of the um, tons that would have been uh, going domestically from, from like you say, the southern, more southern plants, so Pardis and, and, and Razi, right? So, mm. uh, in, in that respect, I think we could see um, them really looking to to place tons and, I don't know, you know it's been very difficult for Iranian producers.
1: I mean, how of it all has this Lordigan project been impacted by the U.S. sanctions on Iranian exports that we talked about earlier? So obviously we've seen um, a bit less participation of Iranian tons in the international market. Obviously, we hear these reports about tons going to Brazil um, and obviously Turkey as well. How will this um, another project um, due to come up online? affect that sort of situation
0: yeah it's interesting because in um, aside from these um, revved up sanctions in November 2018 in in June 2019 the US issued further sanctions against um, Persian Gulf petrochemical industries company and its subsidiaries um, of which Lordegan urea fertilizer Co is one. so um, we were kind of interested to see how it would impact it but um, it, it's not one of those projects that that has uh, international investors or anything like that obviously so um, so it doesn't appear to have had a, a big impact um, on the on the construction or or the finishing I mean as I said we're hearing that it's now running um of course like you say if they you know they would export um, that would be an issue but i, I think it, it's it's uh, again mostly for the domestic market but of course i mean it adds again uh, to the supply um balance of the urea market so that usually means it has to find a home somewhere i mean yeah i mean um the, yeah these iranian vessels obviously these iranian tons are, are a bit t- difficult to um to track sometimes also i mean We've seen, uh, as you know very well from from market participants, that y- you know there's there's sometimes vessels that arrive in Brazil that are of Kuwaiti origin, uh, and the question is if these are Iranian tons, um, because as you know the the plant in Kuwait hasn't been running for years now, right? So it's um, it's one of those things where you know. Of course, we we try to track it as much as possible, but I think this um, whenever there's there's any kind of way for. Uh, anyone to make money, um, we usually end up seeing someone doing something uh, mm-hmm. in order to sell the urea, and therefore it is it it will continue to be a negative um, uh, for the for the global market. And I think especially um, as I was uh, talking about these other projects in in India and and also you know these projects in in Nigeria that we've spoken about before. I think the next um, uh, five years in the urea market are really going to be um you know the trend is really going to be determined by the additional uh, capacity that we will see coming on stream okay well i, I suggest uh, we
1: wrap it up there right what do yeah, you think? think thank you so much alfie for all your you know predictions for the next month and beyond you're welcome
0: anytime so thanks so much to the to the listeners as well and um don't forget to subscribe you know leave us some nice comments um and obviously you know if you're going to rate us only rate us five stars right thank you all right cheers thanks for more information about Ferticon and ihs market visit the link in the show description. thank you for listening